the film very much starts by taking the piss out of itself, which I thought was interesting about how Barbie wins Nobel Prize, you know, Barbie's the president, and it's kind of like Mattel thought that Barbie was saving the world and, um, you know, inventing feminism, but actually that's not at all what it is. And then it kind of like goes back on itself that actually maybe Barbie is really good, and it just feels a little bit kind of, there's like a cognitive dissonance there. My name's Matthew Whitehouse. You're listening to the Face Podcast recorded at Spotify HQ. And this week, we're talking all things Barbie. Uh, we're joined this week by Face assistant editor Jade Wicks and Eloise Hendy, writer, first time podcaster on this podcast. Anyway, welcome. Thank you. Uh, and they were both in attendance at the Barbie screening on Monday. Mm. Much anticipated, mm. hotly anticipated. <laughs> And I just want to listen to what you have to say about the film. Okay, Eloise, I'm going to let you go first. Okay, so the first thing to say is that the screening was the most attended screening I've ever been to. The mm. queue, it was at Leicester Square and the queue went all the way back to Chinatown. No. And uh, everyone was wearing pink. Everyone was getting ready. There was like a visceral buzz in the air, I think, going into the cinema, which was really fun. And I think that was kind of what you wanted from going into it because of the, all the mm. marketing. You wanted to feel like it was an event. Mm. Um, what, were the, what was the crowd like? Was it, was it journos? Was it, was mainly it? journos, but it also felt like it was quite, it was a multimedia screening. So mm. I think it was also quite broad. There were lots of people who were there to, like taking loads of photos oh, and yeah. kind of like, you know, posting. and Lots of young people, like lots, lots of, of young like people. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Which was really nice. Like it felt like people had brought their children as mm. well. But I have to say, I was disappointed. Yeah. Um, yes. Wow. That was yeah. an intake of breath that I just did. Um. <laughs> yeah, it was disappointing. It also didn't help that I had a man that was like maniacally laughing at every <laughs> single line next to me. Um, I felt like for me, I was kind of like ticking off in my mind the like moments that we'd seen from the trailer mm. because I kept like the first trailer and the second trailer that were released, I think were quite different and mm. put forward quite a different sense of the story and so I was thinking okay once all the trailer bits are out of the way I thought okay we can really get immersed into the film but actually it just turned out to be a really like route one feminist film with like glimmers of interesting moments that never quite develop into anything concrete where it's very yeah where it's very much women good men bad and that's it really like mm. it, it like almost teeters into existentialism and kind of self-consciousness because the whole thing is that barbie yeah can you give it it's a kind of in a spoiler free way can you give us kind of set the premise for what the yeah what the film is well you know what funnily enough and me and eloise we, we had to just have a couple of glasses of wine after the screening to like debrief and <laughs> we kind of decompress yeah um it's kind of similar to don't worry darling Wow. Yeah, but in a very kind of, in a much fluffier, campier way and less sinister. So basically, Barbie's kind of living her perfect life every day and then suddenly she starts kind of thinking about death and thinking about very human things and she's broken, she's malfunctioned. Her high-heeled feet touch the ground for yes. the first time, which has never <laughs> happened in Barbie land before. Yes. So obviously a sign that something terrible is happening. Yeah, and then like Ken kind of has this like unrequited love for her and he's just kind of pining, pining and she just doesn't care. Every Every night is girls' night, and she just doesn't want to hear it from him. Um, and then it turns out that this kind of like malaise that she's feeling is related to the person who's playing with her, her owner in the real world. So she has to cross oh, over. Wow. And there's kind of a, a, apparently a rip in the, the kind of line between the real world and Barbie Land. And the only way to make herself feel better and to kind of fix her malfunctioning is to travel to the real world and find the person who's playing with her and try and heal that rift mm. um so 
like I think I was kind of expecting there to be like a bit of a matrix kind of feel to the whole film I think going into it all that was really known about the plot was that it kind of involved this like real world versus kind of Barbie land and like the interplay between those two things and I think this was one of the times where I was expecting it to kind of flip and kind of mm. become a bit stranger and a bit more weird or kind of have a kind of darker undertone. Because for context, you, you um, pitched an idea yeah. around this to, to us last week yeah. before you'd seen the film. You said, I, I kind of looking at the trailer, yes. it feels like they're going for a kind of Matrix thing. Though. Is this the real world? Is it not the real world? Mm. And it's kind of what you pitched to us. And so you went to watch the film with Jade. Did, did it feel like that when you watched it? No. Well, so there were definitely some like conscious Matrix references in it. Like, there's a mm. moment yeah. where weird Barbie, who is played by Kate McKinnon from SNL um, who her whole setup as a character is that she's been played with too much and that was one of the moments that kind of felt like it could be a fun yeah. thing you kind of flipped out and you saw a Barbie being played with by a little girl and kind of drawing all over her face and cutting her hair off which <laughs> felt very familiar and so she's like, like perpetually in the Barbies right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of see her and she's this kind of almost like spiritual guru in Barbie land like weird Barbie's the person you go to if you malfunction to try and kind of help you um, which felt like it was a really good opportunity for something kind of strange. And anyway, she holds out in one hand. I think this was another bit that's been endlessly clipped on Twitter. Holds out in one hand, high heel chew. Holds out in the other hand, Birkenstocks. And kind of does the like, which one are you going to choose, Barbie? Mm. Like, are you going to forget that I've <laughs> told you this? And are you going to choose the high heel and go back to your regular Barbie land life? Or are you going to go into reality and take the Birkenstock? So yeah. it's um, a Matrix. Called, <laughs> yeah, absolute the Matrix reference, yeah. yeah. And which, which is fun. And it kind of feels that there is space for those kind of like self-referential and like mm. you know, filmic mm. kind of um, moments but it just feels very surface level yeah. and in a way that you know camp is about superficiality and artifice and the surface and excess and extravagance but I think it never felt like it was really pushing that and kind of getting into doing it in a way that was truly extravagant and excessive it just felt like it was kind of teetering on the brink and never fully mm. committing to it yeah there were definitely mm. like moments of of like real humour and subversiveness that felt mm. very Greta um, Greta Goig and Noah Baumbach I thought so there was the Matrix bit and then she chooses the high heel she's like I just, just want to forget it all and mm-hmm. Weird Barbie's kind of like no no I'm supposed to do, I'm just saying this to you so that you feel like you have this illusion of control and stuff and then there's also a moment where they're all waving Barbie off when she goes to the real world and they're kind of like you're going to the land of cellulite and stuff and it's, <laughs> and it's quite funny and um, there are moments like that <laughs> well and also the premise is you just set it out to us at the start mm. when you say there's there's this young woman who has to feel these feelings that there must be something more to her life she's feeling a sort of de- a depression descent and there's something more you know mm. there's the unrequited love aspect you describe in a Greta Gerwig film right exactly you know? yeah and there's that brilliant moment where it's kind of this full dance number at the beginning and mm. you know Barbie's got her bouffant hair and there's a kind of dance number in the Barbie house and it's all very glitzy and glamorous and then there's a moment where uh, Barbie's just like do you ever think about dying and it kind of cuts <laughs> and it's like things like that it was like I just really wanted it to lean yeah. into that more yeah me too me I too. was in it, does, it doesn't go go again enough it kind of stays yeah I feel like it almost does that also they've got um, Ruth who who is like the creator of Barbie I thought this is probably the most subversive moment mm. in the film maybe mm. is where she kind of makes a joke that she's just like an old lady who's had a double mastectomy and got um, done by the IRS for tax evasion <laughs> and I was kind of like oh my god like that's mental that they've just put that in there <laughs> have they got away with that one yeah when the rest of the film is so kind of fluffy glossy and I thought I don't know if you'll agree with this, Eloise, where mm. kind of Ken basically, like, without wanting to reveal too much, loses the plot right. at one point and becomes unhinged. And it basically 
affect what Barbies they're selling in the real world. So the kind of unhinged Ken is the Ken that is hitting the shelves, right. IRL. Right. And then Barbie's a bit depressed, and so it's depressed Barbie that's mm. hitting the shelves, and it's making them loads of money. And I thought at that point maybe it could have been an interesting kind of film maybe about like consumerism and how men's pain cells in the same way that women's pain cells and and this kind of like feedback loop that we're stuck in and that everything is marketable yeah so the other thing that's kind of interesting in the film is that they have mattel in the movie Mm. and so there's this kind of when barbie goes into the real world she's not just trying to find her owner but there's a kind of subplot where it's kind of mattel trying Mm. to capture her which is another kind of matrix reference where you kind of have these like mr smith x esque wow, kind yeah. of corporate Mattel characters spearheaded by the CEO who's played by Will Ferrell um, and it's an interesting idea to kind of have this all male kind of mm. like corporate face of Mattel Mattel mm. being the company that, being that, the company that, that, that makes that Barbie, Barbie mm. and, it's, and it's kind of that's another kind of opportunity for like real self-reference where they're kind of saying you know this is a man's or like dream world that it's created by men mm. they're the head of the company who are kind of creating this kind of like female fantasy to some extent but it doesn't quite go there it kind of keeps it at a kind of mm. light fun level I think and that, that's another kind of opportunity where you think it's going to tip into something else where it's kind of like oh now there's a chase or there's going to be kind of this interplay between the real world and the Barbie land where mm. there's effects that are happening in both at the same time mm. which is what happens but then there's this kind of sense that Barbie's going to be tried to be recaptured or and what will that mean and yeah. kind of how will that re- change things that are going on in the company and again it kind of doesn't quite go there so yeah it feels that there are lots of kind of hints at subplots that could lead off into kind of a quite a different kind of genre of film yeah. that never quite resolve themselves into mm-hmm. yeah, anything fully. Also, I feel like her relationship with um, her human counterpart, who's played by America Ferrera, was quite weird as well in that the, the film very much starts by taking the piss out of itself, which I thought was interesting about how Barbie wins Nobel Prize, you know, Barbie's the president, and it's kind of like we thought that, Mattel thought that Barbie was um, saving the world and, um, you know, inventing feminism, but actually that's not at all what it is. And then it kind of like goes back on itself that actually maybe Barbie is really good. And it just feels a little bit kind of there's like a cognitive dissonance Mm. there. But then, you know, there's a moment where they call Barbie a fascist, which I thought was quite (laughs) hilarious. But then the climax of the film, it kind of like crescendos into this big speech that America Ferrer does, which is just like basically like the cool girl monologue from Gone Girl but like women have to be thin but we also have to be grateful and we have to be mothers and we have to be at home and we have to do this and I was just thinking like is this 2017 like what mm. is happening like mm. it just felt mm. so but then and I was saying this to Eloise yesterday like as much as I was cringing at that and it felt so like right yes we know like maybe it is actually really bold for a film of this kind of blockbuster level to be so like clearly marketed at women towards women and to have this massive budget and to have this message and it be in black and white about feminism you know Mm. even if it's maybe not something that that I feel is a bit dated or that I don't particularly that I feel is a little bit kind of like lacks nuance maybe it is you know it's not harmful maybe it's a good thing imagine Mm. the the audience that this I mean considering the marketing push that this film has had and Mm. and how hyped up it is you know and it's going to reach people in uh, middle England in middle America Mm -hmm. you know that Mm -hmm. name Barbie Mm -hmm. and so maybe it will be the first exposure to those kind of thoughts that perhaps we working in magazines or that world are kind of accustomed to that kind of uh, kind of discussion but maybe in those places that that, uh, less so Mm. yeah I 
and I was thinking this because there's kind of again trying not to give spoilers because they've kind of there's been such a barrage of marketing but without kind of telling the plot mm. so I'm trying to be careful but there's there's part of the subplot with Ken is kind of this idea about learning the patriarchy and kind of learning that in the real world men rule the world and kind of what effect that has on kind of the dynamics in, of gender within Barbie land which is a really it is an interesting idea it's like they come into the real world and for the first time Barbie and Ken have to kind of understand what a patriarchal kind of world looks like and what effect does that have on them and even though I think for me it felt incredibly simplistic and mm. even though it was kind of trying to do maybe something about like the performativity of femininity and the performativity of masculinity mm. and like how those are learned behaviors and you know that's a complete that is a really valid kind of perspective and I think mm. that like maybe it is the fact that being so ingrained in those kind of conversations and seeing so many things that do that really cleverly and really well and for me, it felt surface level. And for me, it felt like mm. we were saying it felt like feminism one in one and kind of patriarchy one in one. But if you are a 10 year old girl or like your mom's yeah. taking you to the cinema to watch a film about Barbie, yeah. then maybe what you want is feminism one in one, patriarchy one in one. So like I was wary of criticizing it too much for those yeah, reasons. I definitely. think I think for me, it felt more the, the reason that I was kind of more disappointed, I think, was because it, <laughs> I was expecting it to be, I think, more crazy and extreme and wild and they had mm. these moments where they kind of had they, you kind of got pulled out of the main narrative and they kind of did these kind of weird bits so like I was saying with mm. Weird Barbie you see her, the Barbie being played with by these little girls and you have these other moments where they kind of almost do like advertising kind of style in the movie or they have these little references where mm. they're like depression Barbie's now on sale you know <laughs> yeah. um, and things like that and that the BBC kind of, Pride and Prejudice yeah, moment they actually yeah. like blow up like a clip from BBC Pride and Prejudice because that's what Barbie's watching now on a loop because she's so depressed. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of felt like if it had gone more into that as well and had this kind of collage kind yeah. of style where you kind of constantly pulled out of it and then thrown back in and it's kind of jarring but in a kind of fun and exciting whiplash kind of approach mm. kind of way. Um, I guess a little bit like Baz Luhrmann's Elvis which right, I feel yeah. like the first half an hour of that made me feel like my head was going to come off yeah. um, and I wasn't sure whether I enjoyed that but actually it was a really stylized and yeah. kind of fun way of approaching mm. like a, such a well-known like individual. I feel like Barbie's kind of a similar thing where there's just yeah. so much content. Like, you could take it in so many different directions. Yeah, and there is like bits of, of self-awareness which are good, but it is very much like men are bad and, and they drink beer and they smell. Like it's, <laughs> it's that it's like they don't wash properly and they drink beer and they ride horses and it's interesting if you see it all as being about a performance and how you know none of this benefits anyone gender's a performance and you know mm. kind of like in the same way that Barbie's not really femininity you know kind of the beer swilling horse riding cowboy isn't mm. really masculinity but it kind of does that and says that and doesn't really go anywhere further with that. And I think yeah. they're trying to set up a, a kind of idea, or at least Greta Gerwig has also spoken about this in a Rolling Stone interview where she was saying that part of her idea about Barbie Land was like, actually, is it good to have just women ruling the world? You know, mm. like if it's a reversal of power where it's like women are always president, women mm. are always doctors, like Kens don't have jobs, <laughs> yeah. you know, et cetera. Then like, is that a positive kind of utopia, which... Obviously, isn't. it isn't. Um, but it's again, it feels like okay, that's kind of intriguing. But by the time you get towards the kind of closing act of the film, it's like the in 
the kind of impetus of the whole movie is to get it back to that point. Right. It's yeah. to be kind of, let's save Barbie land and bring it back to how it was at the beginning. And it's like, well, I thought we were saying that it wasn't good to do that either. Yeah. So like she, she interrogates it, but then actually like just reverts everything back to how it was before rather than having this kind of like balance of power, which it seems like is what she's going for the entire film, mm. only for it to like come, come right back to the status quo at the end. And actually I think what's really interesting and what I've seen people kind of talking about on Twitter is it, how gendered the film is. Um, which obviously it kind of has to be because it's Barbie and it's Ken, but it's so like pink and blue and good and bad and black and white. I was so mm-hmm. taken aback by that. Like I wonder, a lot of the things that you're talking about are very nuanced mm. topics with, uh, and, and kind of complex topics. Mm. And I wonder if it is just a hard thing to do in a two-hour movie and yeah. make it accessible to children Honestly, and make it an interesting yeah. film. I think that's really fair. I think that's really fair. I think it is one of those things that they are trying to do so much yeah. and, and they're trying to do all these references. Like, you know, the, the teaser trailer that came out quite a few months ago now that was kind of the um, Kubrick style trailer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's how the movie opens. Right. Which I with thought. With the 2001 yes, space so, Which I love. Yeah. You know, with all these kind of little girls bashing their toy dollies, yeah. kind of like on the rocks as the giant Margot Robbie kind of descends as like Barbie mm. is here. Um, and it's brilliant. It's such a great kind of cinematic reference. And, and when, when the film does those things well, it does it quite well. But I think it's just trying to stuff so much into it that it kind of ends up skating around and not quite committing I think mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. probably the issue and also I think we were saying this yesterday I think this is a this is a discourse generating film and I think to some degree you know Greta Gerwig they were bound back they're not idiots like they know what the mood what the climate is like they watch lots of films they read lots of books like they have their own opinions and they understand mm. what's going on and I really think that maybe what will be good about this is that it will really get people talking and debating about yeah. you know the topics that are touched on and that maybe aren't developed enough then I think it really will kind Absolutely. of get people talking and I was saying like I bet I wonder if um, she's just kind of like turned her phone off locked herself in an Airbnb <laughs> and it's just kind of like let, <laughs> let the film come out let them all let them all kill each other I wonder that I mean and I think one thing that we've kind of um, hinted at so far is that maybe for all of this nuance and all the discourse that will undoubtedly trigger you know on, on Twitter and what have mm. you maybe that maybe that uh, 101 guide to feminism or the patriarchy as you put it is still broad enough for a 10 mm. year old boy or exactly. girl to mm. go to the screen and go away thinking oh, oh I kind of have an understanding of feminism now mm. and isn't that kind of a good thing yeah totally I think what I kind of wanted it to be was kind of like, almost mm. like the kind of noughties nostalgic feminism 101 of like Legally Blonde right, you know right, yeah. right. where it's kind of uh extravagant in that way where it's kind of you think it's going to be one thing and you think it's going to be like pink and silly and then it turns into something else and actually you come away from it being like yeah great whereas I think with this it felt like there were these undercurrents of like the kind of slightly like Ken as an insole kind of vibes um, kind of like anti-girl boss kind of feminism uh, which I think okay. is definitely valid obviously yeah. I'm quite an anti-girl boss feminist myself <laughs> but what but kind of coming back to that with a kind of like just settle for what you've got girls like right. if you can just get through the day then it's fine right. yeah. um, and so I think that it was kind of like the feminism 101 that it was doing felt like the wrong kind of feminism Understood. 101 for me right. I think interesting yeah. I think that's kind of the main thing yeah but saying that there were good moments yes like Ken, well, sorry, calling him Ken. Um, <laughs> Ryan Gosling, I think, was probably standout. Yeah, for I me. think he was actually great. He like, was great. Yeah, like he really, and I think he's 
played this press tour very well <laughs> and very cleverly because he his whole spiel has kind of been like you know I'm just Ken I don't care you know Barbie's right about everything but in the film obviously he's a little bit more sinister mm-hmm. um, which I think is going to catch a lot, a lot of people of off guard yeah and I and I have to say I think that he he's great because he's playing it so seriously and I think yeah. like that's the kind of like campiness that the film needs where it's like <laughs> it, almost like in Succession where um, like Jeremy Strong has been discussed as like how he plays Kendall as Hamlet you know like he's not playing it for laughs he's playing it straight and it feels mm. like there's kind of an element of like that in the Ryan Gosling take on yeah. Ken where it's like he's putting his all into it at all times and I think that's really satisfying to watch yeah it is there were proper moments where I was like you know what I'm settling in a little bit I'm enjoying mm. this like Jamie Dimitriou has like two lines but I can't even remember what they are but I just remember like that was a knee slap for me what was the reaction like at the screening oh people people loved it so I had the um, laughing maniac next to me yes um, and then I kind of had like quite like a sullen couple next to me who weren't giving too much away but you had you had um... yes I was I was sandwiched between two women who were absolutely loving it but in a kind of way where they kept kind of talking to the screen throughout so when there were these moments of kind of inspirational quotes from America's Prayer yeah. like the woman who next to me was like yep <laughs> that's like, right yeah, girl <laughs> which uh, you know so I guess that's, that's maybe the response you want yeah. yeah I feel like I feel like having slept on it I feel less and I, you know what yesterday I just came out and I was just like oh my god what have I just watched I really like I really didn't like it but not in a way that I felt angry at it or that I felt it was harmful that or anything mm. I just felt a little bit disappointed and just ambivalent towards it I guess mm. but mm. Having just talked about it again now, I'm kind of like, I want to watch it again. Well, so this is my thing is I, I want everyone I know to watch it. Yeah, I want, I want to talk about it with people. I want to talk about it with everyone. I want to talk about it, yeah. So I, it definitely isn't the kind of film that I'm like, oh my God, don't see that. Like I was thinking, I was also thinking this morning because we talked a lot about Don't Worry Darling and the mm. relationship between Barbie and that. And then I was also thinking, I think I mentioned this to you last night, that there are elements that reminded me a little bit of Blonde um, mm. in the mm. sense of wow. some of Margot Robbie's kind of... I'm discovering what it is like to be oppressed as a beautiful wow. white blonde woman. Um, blonde uh, Anna Diamas playing yes. Marilyn Monroe. Yes, yes, yes. Blondified Anna Diamas. Mm, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and I really hated that film and I walked out of a screening because I just couldn't face watching the end of it. I just hated it. And like, I think that Barbie is something that I would happily go see again and I am going to go see again at the weekend. So it's, my disappointment with it is absolutely not like no. I felt icky in yes. the same way that I did with Blonde. No, I mean, listening to you two speak has mm. made me want to watch the film even more. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of can't wait to watch it. Yeah. I think my disappointment with it came from the fact that it was a Greta Gerwig film. I think mm. if it had been someone else, someone that mm. was lesser known, a man, I don't know, like just somebody else, I think maybe I wouldn't have had that disappointment just because I love Francis Hart and I love Little Women and I love Lady Bird. And mm. I think I was just kind of, that's where the expectation was for me so maybe that's why I kind of like gave, yeah. gave it a little bit more of like a harsher more unkind reading and maybe it was also unfair to kind of have a moment I think where I was going into it being like is this going to be like Francis Harbour in pink scale mm. Um, mm. and it's not <laughs> but, yeah. but then why would it be it's Barbie like you know yeah. it's a completely different thing and I think that it's very interesting how we were saying that there were certain points where I was like oh I wish it looked more like the Virgin Suicides mm. you know I wish it had that kind of nostalgic stylized pink kind of but kind constantly being pushed back against that kind of darkness 
to the underbelly of it. Mm. Um, and I think I kind of wanted that kind of stylization. And instead it felt like it looked a bit more like Netflix, you know, kind of flat pink plastic. But then it's like, well, it's Barbie. Like Barbie yeah. is pink yeah. and plastic and artificial. And that suits that. It's the right kind of artifice for Barbie. And, that, yeah. and that's just as our expectation of, because it's a Greta Gerwig film and exactly. she's better known for in the movies, you know, but in the same way that you don't go and watch I don't know, The Post by Steven Spielberg and think it's going to look like Jurassic Park. Right. Why would you go and watch Barbie and think it's going to look like Frances Ha? You know, she's a filmmaker who has turned a hand to a story mm. that kind of has parallels with a lot of her filmmaking, but of mm. course it's going to be in this world. And it has the backing mm. of Mattel. Right, you know? exactly. Did right. you feel their hand in it at all? There were lots of takes before the film came out where Greta Gerwig had been saying, I can't believe we were able to make this film. And so was Margot Robbie. She was mm-hmm. like, she was like, it's kind of amazing like that we've been given the go-ahead because you'd think if it was a Mattel-sponsored film there would be no element in which Barbie's called a fascist to her face. Yeah. You know, you just think that would be a no-no. So, like, there is, like, a real freedom to it to some extent. But, um, yeah, I think I think there is a feeling that they want to inject some heart to it and some kind of, like, emotion. And, and that's where mm. Ruth, the kind of original creator of Barbie, kind of comes mm. into it. And she's kind of seen to be still the kind of guiding figure of Mattel. And, and that's of the real the creator of Barbie. Yeah. Right? Ruth Handler, is it? Yeah. Thank you. Barbie, yeah. And she has this role in it and gets these funny lines yeah. occasionally. But she's also kind of, like, meant to be the, like, beating heart of right. the entire film, basically. Yeah. Um, so I think... There's that sentimentality there and the kind of law that's really built into the film. Yeah. As, while you also have these kind of like Agent Smith CEO characters. So, so it's trying to kind of have its cake and eat it, I think, a little bit, kind of do yeah. both at the same time. What are your thoughts in terms of what it means for the uh, what we're already calling the Mattel cinematic mm. universe, mm. which was a piece in, there was it in the New Yorker? New Yorker. Yeah. They're mm. kind of outlined and they're making a hot, Wheels movie, right? And a Barney movie. Uno. But, Uno. They're making an Uno movie. Wow. I, I don't know what it entails. I'm actually quite fascinated. I feel like that, that. What? how could you take that? And that could go anywhere, surely. What's <laughs> going to happen there? Bad, yeah. Bad apparently, they, apparently, they've got JJ Abrams on board to do Hot Wheels. Um, and he described it as, as going to be gritty and grounded. So intrigued <laughs> to see how that's going to go. But with the Barbie film as well, what I did want to say was that in spite of everything that we've said and all this criticism, which mm. I think is like healthy conversation to mm. have anyway, like this is probably a really good film for cinema. Yes as a general thing of like people yes. going to the movies it's probably really good for the industry to have a film like Barbie oh totally right mm-hmm. and coming off the back of um, the new Mission Impossible yeah. Uh, which yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people are excited to go to pictures for and Tom Cruise obviously in, again mentioning Steven Spielberg in Spielberg's words saved cinema last year <laughs> yeah. with Top Gun Maverick totally, yeah. which totally. was a huge huge movie and yeah. broke a billion dollars mm-hmm. uh, again driving people to cinema with Mission Impossible this and with Oppenheimer the new Christopher Nolan film that's coming out and I I think part of the brilliant thing is when when those two films were announced on the same day there was at first there was a wave of kind of tweets and memes about which one are you going to go to mm-hmm. by the time it's come to this week when the, both movies are out I think there's a real sense of going to watch both mm-hmm. yeah. um, which which is such a healthy thing for, for the theatres and yeah. for the cinemas I guess are you, totally. you going to do both? I'm doing the back to back on Saturday so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've got no back to back plan but I'm mm. so desperate to see Oppenheimer I think as well after coming mm-hmm. out of Barbie I was like get me to Oppenheimer now hook it to my veins I need I need to see atomic I need bombs darkness. I need darkness I need death and I need it now <laughs> my name is Matthew Whitehouse you've been listening to the Face podcast where this week I was joined by Face assistant editor Jade Wicks and Face friend Eloise Hendy we'll be back next week the Face podcast is recorded at Spotify HQ in London produced by Hunter Charlton 